Hello and welcome to another episode of Shack Bagley. My name is Katie Johnson and in a moment we'll be joined by my good friend Howard Middleton from the Great British Bake Off. With this being the sixth podcast, thought I'd find out about other things with the number six. So, chicken sandwiches sold every second in the UK. Months in the life of the average American spent waiting for red lights to change and recorded accidents in the home in the UK in 1994 involving B-Days. It's been a busy week, I decided to have a go at a spot of decorating and Howard, quite taken with Elizabeth Craig, managed to purchase another one of her titles, Woman, Wine and a Saucepan, which got us thinking about saucepans and who brought them to the world's attention. Well, it was Woolworths, good old Woolies. It was who? Woolies. Oh, Woolies. Woolies. Oh, I thought you said Wallied. It was Wallied. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know who that is. So... Neither do I. <laughs> Oh, Woolies bought the saucepan, did they? Woolworths, as it was, yes. uh, the saucepan played a definitive role in establishing F.W. Woolworth at the heart of the, the high street. So it all started in America and then obviously came over to this country. Was it 99 years? I think it was before they closed the doors again. But yeah, a century yeah. of pots and pans. As the country geared up for war, saucepan factories retooled to make aircraft parts. The resulting shortage was accentuated by a call for families to hand in surplus pans to be melted down. Many did their bit, believing the spitfires flying overhead had once graced their stoves. Only latter was it revealed that few pans had proved suitable. Oh, so they'd gathered all these yeah, pans for didn't, nothing. Didn't use them. Only finally it began to return to the shelves in 1950. Wow. So, dear old Woolies. But then I remember going into Woolies, and if you think back, it was rammed with saucepans, because where else would you get your pans from in those days when we were growing up? No, that's right. Yeah. Well, you couldn't you couldn't order them online or anything no. like that, could no. you? No. No. And when you think, it was probably the only store they cornered the market, the dear old saucepan. Yeah. So they helped each other start, but not, yeah, never thought. I just thought Lovely. it was for penny sweets. Do you remember the penny sweets in Woolies? The sort of pick and mix That's thing it. at the beginning. Yeah. Yes, my grandmother. I think I'm. I, I don't like to speak ill of her, but I think she probably went to the cafe at Woolworths and stole a teaspoon because she had this teaspoon that said F W Woolworths on it. No. Uh, yes, and I inherited this. And then a few weeks ago, we had a block sink, and Peter was emptying some stuff down the loo, and he, the teaspoon went with it. And uh, he said, "Oh, I've put that tea. I've thrown that teaspoon out." I said, "Oh, that's fine. We've got plenty of teaspoons." And then I realised it was my nan's F.W. Woolworth teaspoon. So I then had to go on eBay to try and find a replacement FW Woolworth teaspoon, and I've got one. So oh. I'm, I was quite happy about that. So there was somebody <laughs> else's grand that had probably gone in an half I think a, so, yeah. I mean, I know in retrospect we could have boiled it or something, but I just thought it was a, a cheap, I was going to say a non-committal teaspoon. <laughs> I don't mean non-committal. One without <laughs> a very strong heritage. <laughs> How much did you pay for the one off eBay? I think I paid 
five pounds for it. Yeah. Were there many on probably, there? No, no. And I was so pleased because I, I, I do that occasionally. You know, sometimes when you're clearing up after you've been cooking and something goes missing. I, I had a lovely prestige apple corer that was my mum's uh, from the kind of 1950s, I think. I must have accidentally scraped it up with some uh, peelings or something like that and thrown mm. it away. And then I ended up going on eBay trying to find exactly the same apple corer and found that again. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> I'm just seeing what else they have. Not normally a sentimental person. but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing what else you can get with F.W. Woolworth on. There's a lot of things from Japan. Oh, F.W. Woolworth solid teak wood salt and pepper shakers, £9.21. I paid a lot for my teaspoon, <laughs> didn't I? You can have a Beatles 1964, oh my lord, a Beatles 1964 F.W. Woolworth writing pad, £110. Because I remember oh you used to go into Woolies and you get, you, I say, pick a mix and all that. But then, do you remember, it was had, I used to love the music, the cassettes you could get. I mean, I know anyone under the age of probably 40 wouldn't really understand what a cassette was. But we used to get your music from there, didn't we? The singles, walking out with a Woolies bag with a brand new album. Oh, love that. There was um, quite a big kind of music section in, in Woolworths, yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Now, let me yeah. talk about salt and pepper because I've got something else here for you. In 1940s, the salt and pepper, this is in etiquette. I've just gone off on one, but it's shatbaggily. The salt and pepper must remain together. Yeah. Separating the salt from the pepper is a big etiquette no-no. Instead, one should pass the two spices as a couple, even if the person asks for just one. Really? Yeah, that was in the fourth. So is that why they is that why they quite often appeared on little stands together and things like that? Do you think so yeah, that they essentially a cruet, isn't it? I think it was called. And then you get some, don't you, that are are moulded together, so they they fit together. So it one thing, and then you split them up. So it must have been. Oh, so that they're... sounds like something a bit rude. That that sounds like something you might buy as an amusing sort of souvenir from a holiday some <laughs> salt pepper pots that are are molded together well do you know i never even thought about that howard that is you that is purely you by the way i'm sorry another one i don't know when this was there's a big headline here do not allow a horse to pass wind upon a lady it's in the boston globe and it's about a car. Even after cars rose in popularity during the early 20th century, many people still chose to ride in carriages. If a man and a woman rode together, they had an unspoken rule that the man would sit with his back to the horse. That way, the horse would not pass gas unto the lady's hair. <laughs> Fabulous. That's quite a specific aim on the part of the horse, isn't it? That it's, it's getting into a hair. When You know, when you said about pans earlier, mm. I just had a look because obviously Elizabeth Craig has some really good ideas about keeping things clean. And I wondered whether there was anything here about cleaning pans or anything. but th And there isn't. But there's some <laughs> a section on pan. <laughs> so that was, that was a non-starter. <laughs> I was looking for an, a lovely link and there wasn't one there. But there is a section on panard, which Ooh. is a term panard, and I'd never heard of it before. And she says it's the basis of most force meats, which I presume is a, another way of saying stuffing. Mm. But she ma basically mixes flour and butter and water 
and uh, puts it onto boiling, or she does one with stale bread. Uh, but the one with flour and, and butter and water sounds awfully like a roux to me. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you're making a sauce, mm. that you put a little bit of butter and, and, flour. and flour and then add some water to it. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be interested to know how old the term roux is because she's calling this a panard at the moment. Right. And I looked, I looked panard up yeah. and um, the only thing is, it, I think it's an, a French word for feet. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where she's got panard from. Now then, what, what date is Elizabeth Craig's book around? Is it the 17th century middle of? No, 1936. So, ah, uh, well, it says it was during the middle of the 17th century that rue was introduced as a thickener and a binder. Right. So, yeah. so it's not it's not Michelle Rue that invented it then, or I think it's one of the Rue ancestors, yeah. isn't it? Bless him, he, he died not long ago, did he? I love yeah. Oh, she does do a rue. She does do a rue oh. as well, and she's all she's also got a section on roughage. Which sounds uh, an interesting <laughs> one to look up at some point. <laughs> the name Rue is a boy's name of Latin origin, meaning... Brave, No. <laughs> Russet. Most of, yes. Most of today's children oh. with this name pronounced Rue will spell it Rue. So this is great on the radio. But um, So R-O-U-X is the name, but most of today's children yeah. are pronounced R double O, but they will spell it R U E, which is the female character in the Hunger Games. Something I've never watched. Is it? I was thinking of Rue from Winnie the Pooh, like like Kanga. Oh yeah, that's uh, R double O. And, and little little Rue. Yeah. Do you know what I was saying about home improvement? Yeah. Yeah, painting. Yeah. If you ever hear me mm. say in the future, I'm going to be doing some painting again. Can you can you stop me, Howard? Please. I am oh. absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful at it. Are you? Yeah. I thought you were quite patient and meticulous. So, yeah. Mm, no. I'm no? fairly patient. I'm just not very meticulous. I painted my <laughs> right bosom. I painted, well, the floor. Um, and then dear Harvey yesterday, the dog, painted him. I was sitting down, leant back, looking at my work, and I thought, oh, I've hit something, thinking it must be another cupboard. I've done the other one. It's the dog. So I've painted the dog. Yeah, so no, don't ever, please, cannot do it again. What colour paint were you using then? Well, it's a chalk paint. Oh, yes, you were saying about the chalk mm. paint, yes. yes. It's a, it's, I guess it would be a, a, a an off-white or a cream, but it's it's very nice. The only yeah. thing with chalk paint, you have to do it twice, paint it twice, yeah. and then you've got to wax it. So that's three times on one item. Yes. And I just, yeah. no. So if, if you hear me ever no. say, please stop me. I'm a bit like that with curtains. I, I think the last time that I made curtains for the living room, I said to people afterwards, please, if I ever say I'm going to make a pair of curtains, just stop me because it's just, it's too difficult. I had enough trouble making a, an oven glove. I set off with great intentions of being much better at making stuff on a sewing machine than I actually am. My sister's really good at sewing, but I, um, I I just don't live up to my own expectations, really. I'm very impressed Sad. with you, though, the fact you even try to make your curtains in an oven glove. I still haven't finished a skirt for my needlework class when I was 12 years old at school. We were quite progressive 
in our school for, for the period, I think. It was at that time when I think education was finally coming to terms with the fact that perhaps some girls might want to do woodwork and metalwork and some boys might want to do cookery and, and needlework. I remember one project we had to do was with pyjamas. And oh, the fabric that they'd got was the most vile yellow nylon to make these pyjamas. And I'm thinking, I have no idea why I'm bothering trying to make these yellow nylon pyjamas. I shall never wear them. And of course, I never did. But That would, I'd say, a fire hazard, just right there. <laughs> the only thing you would do with those pyjamas, Howard, is why did we always have to do a um, swimming proficiency test, diving down for that brick? on the bottom of the pool, in our pyjamas. Do you remember that? I, I never got that far. I did 25 yards, but I don't think I'd have swimming proficiency, no. <laughs> so what happened to those pyjamas, do you remember? I mean, my mum might have still kept them. She's she's very good at sort of keeping mementos from our childhood, so they might be somewhere there. But... Oh, you've got to see if you can find them, Howard. Will you promise me, see if you can find those? <laughs> Those pyjamas. But I'm not entirely sure whether I had a matching uh, bathrobe as well. Oh, no. I could sort of... Or whether the pyjamas were possibly just... Maybe they had a sort of, you know, a bit like um, an outfit that you'd wear for Kung Fu or something like that. Maybe they had a kind of tie belt on them rather than bothering to put buttons. You ever done Kung Fu? Yes. No. No. Have you? No. But it was just how how you were authoritative when you said... (laughs) It's a bit like the, the outfit you would wear for Kung Fu, as if that's what you do on a Tuesday afternoon or something. Oh, no. No, no. I was I, I was doing it purely stylistically, not 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 on a competitive basis. Yeah. <laughs> There's Kung Fu, Judo. I'm never really sure what the difference is. Sumo and, and Jiu-Jitsu and things like that as well. Aren't oh, I've done but, a Jiu-Jitsu uh... recently. 500 pieces. <laughs> It also mentioned five to six years on the box, but I managed it in half an hour. And we definitely need to find out if Howard's mum still has those pyjamas. That's it for another week. Thank you for listening, and see you again next time. Now, where did I put that brick? Brick.